0: Isaiah 55, one to two. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food psalm 63 1 through 8 oh God you are my God I seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life my lips will praise you so I will bless you as long as I live I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think upon, of you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. As many of you know, I am a native New Yorker. I grew up on Staten Island, the place in New York City notorious for its conservative views, and my husband and I are raising our children there. I come to Chelsea for school and to do my field placement two to three times a week. And when I have a long day ahead of me, I drive. I do this because going home by public transportation at the end of a day that ends after 7pm takes a long time and I value my sleep. A few weeks ago, I drove into Manhattan and having found a parking spot on the street, uh, rejoiced a bit and then, as I, after I parked, started to gather my things from the car. I opened the passenger door to get my backpack and coffee mug. I placed the backpack on the roof uh, as I was pulling out the coffee mug, closed the door, I went to pull the backpack off the roof where I had left it. I had apparently closed a strap in the door frame, so as I pulled it off, I lost my balance with the extra yank I had to give it. I was parked right next to a street tree, the ones that are enclosed with the tiny metal fence-like borders. And also it was garbage day. I knew I was going to fall. It was inevitable. I also knew I had to be strategic. Where could I fall that would cause the least amount of damage and embarrassment? I ended up in the recycling with my bag thrown clear onto the sidewalk. I was literally laying on my back on the sidewalk in the recycling. As a fat woman, I had lived in fear of falling on the street. I am reminded every day that my body does not fit into the slim ideal expected in this culture. I don't run outside. I try to stay clear of the runners. I only wear stretch pants under tunics or in the safety of my own home. I exercise at a time of day when the number of people is minimal at the Y nearest my house. And I am conscious of the very public act of eating while fat. If I get a burger, what will the people sitting near me think? If I eat all of my pizza, am I being judged? The minefields are everywhere. All of this was on my mind as I plotted my extrication from the recycling on 19th Street. I did manage to get out without assistance and a very concerned man came over to make sure I was okay as I dusted myself off. I assured them, him that I was well and I was unharmed. The fall did minimal damage to my body, but that doesn't mean I felt unharmed. I have, throughout my adult life, been on and off all kinds of systems and plans purportedly designed to make it possible for me to achieve a slim physique. If I can cut out carbs or or slowly increase my running, or fill up on fruits and vegetables before going to a party, or eat within a certain limit each day, I can claw my way to thinness. I did it once. I made it to a close to healthy BMI once, using Weight Watchers. I wonder if any of you have been to a Weight Watchers meeting. I have been to years worth of meetings. The room is set up kind of like this one, but the entrance is flanked by scales. Before you sit, you get weighed in. A leader, someone who has been through the program and lost and kept off the weight, facilitates a conversation about what went well over the last week, what was a struggle, and what hopes and challenges lie ahead. There are mantras we say to help us remember the basic principles of the plan, to reinforce how we should think about food and our goal. The one that sticks, nothing tastes as good as thin feels. As 22 dawned and I looked ahead with hope to a year perhaps not marred by a deadly pandemic, no luck there by the way, I decided it was time for me to try again. I wanted to feel good. I would once again count points and pay Weight Watchers for the privilege. At the same time, I started listening to the Maintenance Phase podcast. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the phrase, maintenance phase, this is the diet industry term for how you live your life once you have reached your ideal weight. It is the part of your life where you realize that, actually, You are going to have to play by the rules of your chosen diet for the rest of your life. You will still have to weigh and measure foods, still have to weigh and measure yourself, and still have to reckon with the feeling that your body, your desire, is not safe around food. Your job is to keep that appetite in check, or you will lose the goodness that thinness gives you. Maintenance Phase, the podcast, is a takedown of body myths, health lifestyle lies, and diet industry tropes that made me see my own experience of my body with new eyes. It made me see that my relationship with my body and food is disordered and disconnected. It made me ask myself, what is so important about being thin? Why was I, in the words of Isaiah, spending my money on that which was not bread? My answer? Hope. Hope that thinness is the doorway to fulfilling my desire. My hope in becoming a thin person is that I will be seen as competent, attractive, intelligent, and able to take control. The association of a fat body with gluttony and sloth is strong. A study published in the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion in 2007 found that people have a strong implicit association between morality and the condition of the body, and that they perform a cognitive appraisal of obesity as immoral. They found this out through a series of studies culminating in a visual word association. Researchers showed test subjects a series of pictures of the faces of obese and thin people and assigned descriptive words to them. It took longer for people to look at faces like mine and assign words like moral, devout, and virtuous to them. It is because of realities like this that I placed my hope in being thin. But where is it that my hope should lie? An episode of another of my favorite podcasts, Death, Sex, and Money, explored how relationships change, how love changes, when bodies change size. As part of that episode, the host presented a thunderthigh blessing composed by an Episcopal priest, the Reverend Katie Ernst. It reads... May the thundering clap of your thighs echo in the valleys of your spirit. May the dotting dimples remind you of the sweet joy of the journey you have been on. May the markings and lines that frame the top of your thighs lead you on the path of discovery and enchantment. May you know the power that resides between your thighs and the strength buried in the soft covering of fat flesh. May your thunder thighs clap back. May you know that you are holy and whole. Amen. I heard this blessing as I exercised during one of those low attendance hours at the Y and was gobsmacked to hear that an Episcopal priest had written it, written it. I had to find out more. So I found them on Instagram and messaged them. Could we talk? They said yes. I interviewed them about two weeks ago. The content of that interview is mostly geared towards an ethics paper I am working on about anti-fatness, but in this conversation is where the connection with hope crystallized. You see, we Christians yearn for a time when the Kingdom will come. We look towards the future, hoping to see the New Jerusalem descend from the clouds a place where the fruit is delicious and no one hungers anymore. In theological terms, this is an eschatological hope. A hope about how the end times will bring us what we desire. We look towards the future with expectation because the present is too hard to bear. We forget Jesus' reminder that the kingdom of God is already here. Fat people are always expected to be hoping for a thin future. We are expected to be eschatological. We are expected to forget that we have a present to savor. So when I sat in church on Sunday and heard the words of Isaiah, eat what is good, delight yourself in rich food. I thought right now, right here in lent and the psalmist my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water what am i yearning for what does my flesh desire i desire love i desire what is good i desire what brings the light I desire to feel satisfied, as if after a good feast. And I realized. My years trying to reach my own maintenance phase did not bring me love. Marriage and motherhood do that. My years counting calories and measuring steps did not bring me delight. Stretching in a morning sunray, making an apple pie with my child, and evenings spent chatting by a crackling fire with my spouse do that. Menu planning did not bring me satisfaction. Finally heeding the call that God placed within my heart and in my bones, as hard as it can feel to answer on some days, makes me feel full and satisfied. I do not need to be thin to feel any of those things. What I need to do is allow myself to feel, and know deeply what my true desire is. My question then becomes, how do we know what we desire? As a Christian, I believe that God plants a desire for relationship with God and with other people in our hearts, in our bodies, and that God placed a call inside of me, and that those things are in each of us, each of you. I also know, as we heard from Christine in week one of this series, that our bodies were given to us by God so we can experience the world through our senses, to understand what we need through our bodies, and to be present with each other in pain and joy, happiness and sorrow, abundance and loss. My experiences as a diet consumer had cut me off from the ability to trust my own body, that loving, beautiful gift from God to care for itself and to care for others. It had cut me off from depending on God to provide for me and from using my own senses as a way of understanding not only what is outside of me, but what is inside of me. I am only just beginning the process of re embodiment and remembering. Where I am right now is replacing, nothing tastes as good as thin feels with the words of Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste, see, through your body's senses, you can experience God and that, it tastes better than thin. I encourage you now to take some time to think about your own desires, your own senses, and your relationship with God. You could take some time to either journal with these questions or just sit with them for a few moments. First question, how do you think about desire in relationship to your body, its needs, and your relationship with God and now think about your five senses is there one of the senses that you favor is there one that you ignore why do you think you do that think about those questions think about ways that you can reconnect to your body to your senses, and to the desires that God has planted in your heart.